every week we talk to dozens of SaaS founders and operators about the inner workings of growing a business, from the day-to-day minutiae, to inspiration, to the tough decisions, and the mistakes made along the way. You're listening to the SaaS Open Mic Podcast. My name is Olivia Jarvis. Head over to chartmogul.com for more content like this and easy access to your SaaS metrics in just a few clicks. That's chartmogul.com. To wrap up this season of the SaaS Open Mic Podcast, I've invited my colleague Tyler Daly on to chat through the process of a pricing migration that we completed at ChartMogul. Based in Toronto, Tyler is a founding member of the go-to-market organization here at ChartMogul. Similar to his journey at Vend, recently acquired by Lightspeed, Tyler moved from sales to customer success to lead and build our strategic accounts team. Enjoy my chat with my colleague, Tyler Daly. All right, Tyler Daly. This is such an exciting interview. It's the first time I get to speak to somebody from my own team. So let's start with who you are and where you are, like we do everybody else. Give yourself an introduction. Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot, Olivia, for having me on the podcast. Uh, So as you mentioned, my name is Tyler Daly. I am the Director of Strategic Accounts and Retention at ChartMogul, and I'm currently based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Amazing. Well, Tyler, you are, um, you're a fellow mogul. You've been with the business for over four years. You've been in tech for how long? Over 10? You tell me. Yeah. So I'm approaching five years here at ChartMogul. Uh, I had seen the company grow from the very early days of 15, 16 employees to, I think we're now approaching 60 or we'll be past that number shortly. Mm-hmm. I've been in the SaaS space for about eight years. And yeah, I mean, I got, I found my whole interest in tech when I came right out of school and I was working for uh, Research Emotion, now known as BlackBerry. So I was part of that excitement. And then obviously things didn't work out there, but that's kind of what led me back into, into the space. Fantastic. Well, you and I have good conversations. I mean, you are obviously the person on the other end of the sales cycle, and we'll get into that in just a second. But tell people about yourself and the roles that you've had at ChartMogul specifically, and now what you're currently doing. Yeah, sure. So when I came to ChartMogul, uh, it was late 2016, we were just building out our sales team. So I came in kind of as boots on the ground to help us uh, build out our sales function. Uh, obviously, most importantly, to to bring new business in the door. So uh, we had a pretty strong inbound pipeline. Our, our content marketing has always been a, a real strong point of the company. And so I was uh, tackling leads or trials that came in through that channel and through various other channels and converting those into paying subscribers. Uh, so obviously, ChartMobile kind of grew rather quickly as a company, and there were opportunities to kind of grow the team. Uh, and then I moved into the director of sales role and built out the team a little bit further. Uh, at that point, uh, there was myself, and then there were three others, three other account executives uh, on the team. And uh, we were always kind of a remote company. We always had um, we had office hubs, um, but we did eventually become fully distributed as a company. And I was in the that role for about a year. And I, I, before ChartMogul, I actually worked for a company called Vend Point of Sale retail point of sale company uh, and had a very I have a very similar evolution at ChartMogul as I did at Venn where I moved from kind of an account executive role then into at ChartMogul into that director of sales role and then uh, we had built our customer base at ChartMogul um, to a point where then we really had to focus on retaining customers and helping those customers grow uh, so then I moved over and helped build out our uh, our account management function or what we called our success management function uh, and that's where I am today we have a, a small team currently uh, helping manage our largest accounts 
but we also look into uh, initiatives for the customer base as a whole, uh, health scoring. Um, we created various lifecycle stages and assigned customers to those stages. So we have a much larger machine now uh, nowadays at ChartMogul and quite a big customer success team as well. Awesome. Tyler, I asked you to join this because you have seen a lot. You have seen a lot of iterations at ChartMogul. You've been a part of a lot of kind of experiments that have happened over the, the life cycle of our business. But I asked you to come on today and talk specifically about all things pricing migration related. For some context, in late 2018, ChartMogul made the decision to kick off a pricing migration project. This concept is not unique to ChartMogul. It's something that many SaaS businesses go through as they mature and they grow. But I think it's critical to level set and help people understand what we're actually talking about here. From your perspective, can you give everyone an understanding of what a pricing migration actually is? Yeah, definitely. So I think uh, with a pricing migration, obviously SaaS companies uh, in general are growing quite quick and, and many things, many changes are made over the years, maybe multiple times a year. And one of those is pricing. Pricing is one of the hardest parts of a, of a SaaS business and, and trying to get that right. And, and we at ChartMogul had made many different iterations to our plans and pricing over the years. And we got to a point about four years in where we essentially had many different plans, many different pricing stacks uh, and customers uh, across all of those. And we had to kind of become more efficient as a company and move some of those kind of what we call legacy customers and migrate them into more current pricing stacks. And uh, that is essentially what, when we're looking at or talking about a pricing migration, we're, we're talking about getting a lot of those older customers who are on legacy plans, plans that are now retired, onto more current plans and pricing. Cool. So I did an interview with a gentleman called Espen a couple of weeks back, and we talked about the product-led motions and how it's often important for product-led to also um, have a very consistent practice to pricing. Do you think that there is something to be said for the product-led motion and why you would facilitate a pricing migration or when you would facilitate a pricing migration? Yeah, I think when you're looking at product-led companies specifically, uh, a lot of times pricing migrations can be tied to specific features or functionality that a company offers. And um, that can make it easy to to say you're on this plan today that offers this functionality, uh, but we now have this plan that offers uh, this much more functionality, or maybe some of the features from the older plan have also are also just outdated. And to get the latest and greatest, you need to move to the new plan. Um, for us at ChartMogul, our, um, our kind of mentality from day one was to always launch all new features, functionality, integrations to our entire customer base. So we didn't feature gate in a way where um, customers are forced to kind of move into a new plan to continue to get the latest functionality. We always kind of launch that or release those features to all customers. And obviously the value there um, or the experience increased or improved over time. Um, and we got to the point where we had done a really good job at making sure customers were getting all the latest and greatest. Um, but we hadn't done such a good job at making sure their price was well aligned to the value that they were receiving. Mm, this is a really, really good point. So for additional context for people, Termogul is now seven years in business. We did our pricing migration around year four, and there was a variety of different reasons for this. And I'm keen to kind of get your take on the reasons to kind of add additional context for our listeners. 
as to why we made the decision to migrate our legacy customers. I mean, there was, you know, controversial opinions that are always going to be controversial opinions when you change people's pricing. But what were our internal drivers in making this decision? Yeah, there were a few things that that really kind of drove us to this decision and 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 drove us to come up with a plan to go through with this migration. One thing came along when, or one of the points came along basically when we were analyzing our existing pricing, and we at that time we're we're billing based on the number of uh, active customers so paying subscribers that a customer had uh, but we have customers from many different verticals industries um, we have b2c and b2b customers uh, and you can imagine the number of paying subscribers that a a very enterprise business has is a lot less than what one of our b2c customers might have so that caused a bit of discrepancy there with what we deemed fair pricing for a B2C customer versus a B2P customer. Mm. And we made that change. Um, we did make that change then over to revenue-based pricing, which was a better reflection of uh, or allowed us to kind of better align the pricing to to the size of our customers. So that was kind of one of the things that, that kind of kicked off this decision um, because we did still have customers on those that old pricing model, um, where they're billed by the number of active customers or paying subscribers. With uh, alongside with this change and kind of happening uh, earlier on as well with Chart Mobile, is we did evaluate and bring on new billing systems through the course of time. So we got to a point where we had three different billing systems, and it's it's obviously kind of tricky to maintain many different plans and pricing across three different billing systems. And we basically wanted to consolidate and, again, become more efficient as a company. Um, so that was another part of our decision-making process. And just as a whole, like going forward, um, obviously, new customers we bring in are, are paying a certain price. Uh, and that's typically higher than older legacy-type customers. Uh, and we also wanted to equalize pricing across the customer base. Mm -hmm. uh, so we we wanted to engage with these older customers. and And it was definitely... A, a bit of a process because many customers are many older customers are using Chartmogul in a way that isn't potentially taking uh, advantage of the full value that's being offered or that is available to them. Uh, so we had to kind of go through and essentially resell and, and re-onboard a lot of these customers to ensure they saw the value moving forward to warrant a, a more expensive price. Yeah, I think that that's kind of the the scariest part if you're thinking about this. So to the original point you made, you know, if we were on a seat base or a, excuse me, a user customer base pricing model, an enterprise customer might have a low customer count, but a very high MRR, whereas a B2C mobile business might have lower MRR, but many, many customers. So this is a real kind of shifting of the model. And I mean, I'm sure this wasn't an easy process. You probably had to ask a lot of people to pay a lot more money for a service that they've already committed to. That's not not scary. That can be really, really challenging. So let's talk about the strategy. What are mm -hmm. some things to consider when you went into the pricing migration? Tell me a little bit about the communication strategy. What did you do process-wise? Yeah, so you're exactly right. It's definitely not easy to communicate to a customer that they need to pay us more. And in some cases, uh, it was much more than they're currently paying. So we, we kind of, you know, when we open these conversations up, we wanted to to make it as as conversational as possible. Uh, obviously, a lot of these customers have been with us for quite some time. They might have done case studies or testimonials in the past. We have a very you know strong relationship there. 
So we want to be able to show empathy through this process and um, make sure that they are feeling heard, um, but also explaining kind of some of the reasons I explained earlier, explaining our side of, of the story and why we're making this change. Obviously, pricing increases are something that that also helps support improvements to the product and service. So it is helping fuel future or current innovation to the product and service. And that was another reason that we kind of communicated when we were reaching out to these customers. Mm. Was there an opportunity to reconnect, resell, reestablish? Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of these customers, you know, they're comfortable with how they're using ChartMogul. We may not have heard very much from them. Uh, Also, when they came on board with ChartMogul, we were a, a much younger company and didn't have as much process in place. So there might not have been uh, much of an onboarding process, for example. So they were kind of, uh, it was kind of up to them and, and in a self-search style to get onboarded with ChartMogul. And kind of through opening these conversations, we realized in, in a lot of different cases that they might not have been underutilizing ChartMogul by choice, but they might have just been underutilizing it because they were like really just not aware of, of what else there was um, or what else you could do with ChartMogul. Mm, which I think might be some of like, that's just natural. When, when a product is within your, your budget, you might come in and only do one thing with it. When in reality, there's all these other things you can do with it, which maybe you wouldn't be as critical of if you were paying a lower price. I want to touch on the, the point around lower price to now higher price. I mean, that feels like the obvious benefit to a pricing migration. And I'm sure that that was something that a lot of people came back to you and said is like, you know, are you just milking us for all we're worth here? Any business can agree that a process that generates more revenue is a solid process. But what else did we gain from doing this at ChartMogul beyond perhaps realigning and gaining more revenue from these customers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for us, I mean, if a, if a pricing migration is executed successfully, uh, of course, you hope that the, the kind of revenue gained outweighs any sort of churn that comes about from the process. And one thing I like to tell everyone that kind of asks about my experience and, and how this went for us is there will be churn. Like, so you should always expect churn. One interesting thing that, you know, you will unearth is uh, you'll, you'll realize or, or figure out who those maybe bad fit customers are or customers who bought early on who you weren't able to vet well enough. So that is um, one part of the process that will kind of come to light. But basically, I think the the major thing we should we, we wanted to focus on um, first and foremost was better aligning price to value. Like you kind of touched on, Olivia, customers will use a solution in a way uh, that is obviously necessary for them or that they deem appropriate. And if they are paying a very low price, that maybe doesn't represent or reflect the full value of the solution um, that we're offering. Then they are essentially happy to use it in a way that isn't that isn't kind of exploring or utilizing the full value. So with that kind of um, concept in mind, the kind of equalizing the the price to value alignments, we were then able to um, to open conversations, better understand how the customer was currently using us, explain to them other ways they could they could use us. So maybe how other customers are using the platform, how other departments are utilizing the platform and kind of open open their eyes to to what else is possible, um, maybe unearth issues or questions that they had that maybe held them back from using the platform further. Uh, so 
really just having the conversation again, like making it very open and conversational. And again, it, it could have been some time since these customers spoke to someone at Chart Mogul. So mm-hmm. you definitely want to make sure um, all questions are, are kind of heard and answered. Yeah. And I think that an important thing to note, I'm on the go-to-market side, right? I'm now on the team that is selling at the current price point. It's important to also note that we changed some processes simultaneously. We created different different plans and processes around the sales processes and qualification and communicating value. And, and, you know, we probably lost customers through that migration, but we also, I think, gained a lot more customers in our wheelhouse in the same time. So it's interesting to understand that, yes, we might have had and seen some churn, but I would argue that our new processes have have ultimately lined us up better with the segment of customers that we want to work with and can likely retain on our current pricing model. Do you agree with that? 100%. Yeah, it definitely helped us, like you said, better understand the customers that are that are the best fit for Chart Mogul based on uh, industry, the space that they play in, just their overall kind of goals and objectives. Uh, so it was definitely a, a great learning experience from that perspective. Yeah, totally. And I think that from someone who has come in and, and sold on our scale plan, we're very transparent about our pricing. It's pretty easy to line people up to price to value, right? My my sales process is very much centered around what are you hoping to do and what are you hoping to achieve and how can I consult to you and get you there within Chart Mogul? And I think our, our pricing really lines up with that once people are on board with the depth of the product. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. Let's talk a little bit about what can go haywire. I asked this on all interviews and I, I wonder if people get tired of it, but I like to know where things can go wrong or where things can go off the rails. I like to anticipate potholes before they come. So tell me a little bit about where this can absolutely be a disaster or where you in your experience have seen it go wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a really good topic to cover because I mean, there are a lot of things that we learned during the process. And there's also a lot of things that uh, that we also learned just from speaking to to maybe customers of ours or um, other contacts in the industry, other people that have tried this, um, have succeeded or not succeeded. Uh, and one thing that I think many companies might do wrong when they approach this this sort of uh, project, this pricing migration project, is expected to happen in the course of one, two, maybe three months. Of course, that could be realistic based on maybe having a small number of customers that you need to migrate. But in our uh, in our case, it was you know uh, a few hundred customers that we were migrating. So first of all, we wanted to do it and we didn't want to rush it. So we wanted to kind of do it in batches in terms of let's look at maybe our oldest customers first. And we came up with our messaging and the way we want to communicate it and tried to anticipate, you know, questions that would be asked in the process. But by doing it in smaller batches, that allowed us to kind of retweak the way we were communicating it. If maybe it came off as a bit insensitive or, or lacking empathy, we definitely want to make it as positive of an experience as possible. And also just being cognizant of timing. Certain things happen. I mean, the biggest one being COVID. And, you know, not wanting to reach out when there's a global pandemic or a company is struggling for maybe some sort of other reason. So doing your research and understanding when the time is right. And like we talked or touched on earlier, there there were also some, some deltas that were quite large in terms of what a customer was paying and what we wanted them to pay. So 
coming up with a plan to maybe gradually align that pricing rather than hit them with that that full increase at once. There's a lot of things to keep to keep um, into consideration, and and those were some that that we kind of thought about, and that definitely many things could have went wrong if we didn't think about those things. Yeah. I didn't really think about the first point that you made around the timing perspective. I, I think that it could be really easy to hit an entire customer base with a, hey, this is a change that's been rolled out and see a lot more backlash and have to do a lot more damage control rather than this slow rolled approach. I kind of like what you noted there around like you can tweak, you can learn, you can come back, you can iterate, which I think is a really, really empathetic and clever approach that I didn't really think through initially when we talked about this. Let's talk a little bit about that because I'm sure there was a lot of people that came back to you and said, no way, Jose, how did you guys stick to your guns? Yeah, I think one important thing to keep in mind when when you go into this, this sort of initiative is to maintain some level of flexibility uh, and you know assume that people are going to want to negotiate. If you're expecting something from a customer you also have to expect that you're going to have to have to give a little bit. And so with that in mind, you know, it's, it's easy to, again, I keep saying, you know, make it a conversation. It's easy to go back to that kind of conversational aspect rather than it just being a demand and, and there's no other alternative or no other conversation that can happen in regards to it. So those were, that was obviously played a big part of it. And then, yeah, sticking to the plan just in terms of, you know, coming up with a solid plan and making sure you're you're doing the planning, the testing, um, and really nailing down a solid process, and then following through with that plan. Mm-hmm. I think another big thing that that other companies that that attempt to do a price migration experience is they they start it and they get a couple pieces of backlash or maybe some negative comments on their social media, and um, they'll bail from the plan. And uh, I had several customers comment that. It was quite admirable that we kind of came up with this plan and also followed through because I think it's very easy to to backtrack and you know I, I think people do respect um, a company that 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 creates a plan of action has it's well thought through and also does follow through with that process. Yeah, and is honest in their communication, right? I, I think that from the get go, we were very honest that we were trying to align everyone onto the same pricing for consistency purposes, for fairness across the board. It's something that I encounter in our sales cycle all the time when even people ask for custom pricing. One of the first thing I say is, you know, we aim to keep our pricing fair and consistent across our customer base. And I think that sticking to that same conversation point through the migration, right through to our move to the scale plan, right through to how we facilitate our sales cycles has been really rooted in integrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Customer segments was something that came up earlier um, that I think is really interesting on this. And I, I want to talk about the positive sides of the pricing migration. For people that are wondering what I'm talking about when we speak about customer segments, the idea, I mean, Chart Mobile is obviously going to be a large metrics tool where you can kind of think about high level metrics. But we also want to encourage people to think about the breakdown of what makes up their customer base or customer base or their growth, right? So we're thinking about the company is on a growth curve, how is their MRR split out by customers that are paying different price points? We learned a lot about our different customer segments through the pricing migration, so much so that it created a role for you. Talk about the positive effects around our, our, what we call managed accounts. How did that look? Yeah, so I think 
this this goes back to at that time or shortly after we were really starting or trying to nail down our onboarding process and we were trying and olivia i know you you played a big part in this but we were really trying to nail down get a better understanding of the the verticals or the industries that that our customers uh, are in specifically um, the customers we consider managed accounts which is essentially uh, some other businesses might might call them key accounts. So we were wanting to better understand them. And, and that allowed us by kind of having these conversations and maybe re-onboarding customers or reselling them on the product, we're able to better understand who they were, or who they are. Also, you know, a bit more about their business, their tech stack. Um, so we could get a better understanding of where ChartMogul fits into that puzzle. And then from a more of a kind of, Going into onboarding and then beyond onboarding, uh, another initiative of my team was to to look at the lifecycle stages. And we were able to better break down or kind of break out customers into those lifecycle stages of onboarding, adoption, and advocacy. And that really helped us with, obviously, increasing stickiness and being able to have a better handle on customers who are churn risks or um, who maybe are really healthy and we could lean on for marketing case studies. So I think there were, yeah, a number of positives that came out of this. Again, really came down to segmentation, um, allowed us to even, you know, we're doing the segmentation of life cycles in our, in our CS platform, but we were able to um, even do more segmentation in our own platform in ChartMogul. And, and obviously with that segmentation um, and understanding the customer base better, we've also been able to um, grow our team. Uh, and so we're now becoming a lot more specialized in terms of roles and 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 who's kind of assisting with various um, components of the customer lifecycle or just the CS process in general. Customer journey mapping. It's so underrated. I did a conversation. The, the interview that will go up before yours, Tyler, is with a gentleman by the name of Ross Rich. And we talked a lot about customer journey mapping from the sales perspective. But what you're describing is customer journey mapping on the onboarding side, which is also just as critical, especially as you hit a certain growth point And when customers are paying you a certain amount, you want to ensure that they are adopting and continuing to use it so that you're not staring down the barrel of a churn risk, which I think is really, really clever. Okay. Tyler, do you have anything else you want to add on this? I think like if I had to summarize up this, this conversation Olivia, that we've had today, you know, I'd, I'd like to tell everyone who's listening that if you are considering doing um, something similar uh, and undertaking a, a customer pricing migration or a legacy pricing migration. I, I, you know, I don't think it's something you should be afraid of. It is a natural um, process or evolution of a, of a SaaS business. Like we talked about, many things change over the years within a SaaS business. And it's good to, it's good to kind of um, maintain efficiency as a company and keep both your and the customer's best interests in mind. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, for a solution that a customer is paying for or expected to pay more for, they, they really want to get more out of that solution. And you won't always be able to offer more out of the solution. Like there's always going to be a difference, um, or in some cases there will be a difference um, when you compare the perceived value from the company's perspective and the perceived value from the customer's perspective in terms of what that actual value is. But at the very least, you can talk to them and better understand what they'd like to see or better understand their perceived value. And one thing I didn't mention is that does also help inform our product team in terms of building out the roadmap 
So the feedback we gained from from this entire process really helped inform uh, a variety of departments and team members across our company. Yeah, I think that that's a really, really golden point to end on is like, it feels like it's only going to impact one department, but something like this has has a lot of reach and a lot of positivity. You've shared some amazing pieces of information here, Tyler. How can people get in touch with you if they want to talk about this or get your opinion on what to do? How can they talk to you? Yeah, I'm glad to chat about this um, anytime. I've, I've done some some talks in the past as well about this. I can be best reached by email. So my email is tyler at chartmogul.com. Uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. So feel free to send me a message there and I'd be glad to respond. Okay, thank you for being my final guest of the season. It was a pleasure to end on such a high internal note. Thanks for the chat. And everybody get in touch with Tyler if you have pricing migration questions. Thanks so much, Olivia. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this week's episode of the SaaS Open Mic Podcast, leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Again, head over to chartmogul.com to try Chartmogul today.